Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, alongside my boy, Dwayne Drawn. What's going on, Dwayne? What's going on, man? Uh, just enjoying the day. Um, I always got to speak about the weather. It's actually nice and cool. It's really not great. It's not bad. It's not horrible, but it's just just weather. You know what I mean? It's not bad at all. How's everything going on your side? Everything's good over here, man. It's a little bit rainy today, but we need it. I don't know if we need it, but we're getting it anyway. Yeah. It's going to drop a bunch and then uh, clear up for like 10 days straight. It's going to be gorgeous. It's going to be gorgeous. Nice. Right? Nice. So today we have a special guest on. Uh, we have Paul Jaminson. You guys know him from the the Green Industry Podcast. This guy is a podcast machine. He's giving every single day to the industry. He's interviewing awesome people around the country. And and it's just so great to see others out there trying to spread the word and help others, you know, grow. And he's written a couple of books, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. And, you know, I just think he's going to be such an asset to you guys listening. So um, without any further ado, Paul, what's going on, man? What's up? What city are you guys in? <laughs> so I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm about an hour and a half north of Philly. Okay. And I'm in uh, Chicago. Oh. <laughs> what about you? I'm down south. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, okay. got it. Nice. I was just down there, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah my daughter, uh, matter of fact, my daughter, I had to pick her up this morning from the airport. She just flew in from Atlanta. She's going to Georgia State out there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I, awesome. I got to make so- sure I check you out next time I come down there. Yeah, all at me. I I grew up in Ohio, so I'm familiar with the Big Ten country and and y'all's weather up there, and that's uh, part of why I moved down here. I, honestly, I don't like the cold winters. <laughs> Seriously, I was both. born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. My my brother goes to Ohio State. Okay. He okay, lives okay. in Columbus. Yeah. Sorry for his love. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio State man runs Ohio, dude. Like Ohio State, the college. So I was just there. Um, uh, not this weekend, but last weekend. And I forgot how important Ohio State was. Like I'm driving around and Ohio State was everything. Everywhere you went, Ohio State this, Ohio State that. It was everything, everywhere. I forgot like how great it was down there. Yeah. That down here in SEC country, they just, they don't respect the uh, Ohio State. But I, I've had to retire a lot of my Ohio State hoodies and things like that. You just <laughs> beat, beat up on you down here. They think Alabama and Georgia, that's all it is. Yeah, but Ohio yeah. State beats up on everybody but loses the last game. That That's what happens every year. They beat up everybody <laughs> all season, and then the championship game, they don't only just lose, they get blown out. Unless they put in the third-string quarterback and they blow everybody out and win the championship. You know what I mean? It, that's just how it happens with Ohio State. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about how you got started in this industry. Is this something you grew up in? Is it something that you found? Like, how did that happen for you? Well, I, I, I went to Ohio University, so it's actually different than the Ohio State. It's down about an hour and a half in Athens, Ohio. Athens. 
Southeast Ohio. A lot, a lot of people don't know the difference. They think they just assume I went to Ohio State, but I went to OU and uh, I graduate, moved down to Atlanta and, and basically had this awakening, you know, 21, 22 years old of, of real life. Cause in college, you know, I lived in a dorm. I didn't really know too much about money. I, uh, my parents helped with tuition my first couple of years and then I took out student loans my second year. So I really would just wake up, go to class, go to the dining hall. I worked at the dining hall. Life was really simple, but I, I didn't have any uh, common sense or real life uh, experience. And so I moved to Atlanta, fresh out of graduating college, and I, I hadn't really got a, a, a steady job yet with with income. And my buddy's like, hey, would you like to live in my house for a year? Because Randy Jackson, the uh, music guy, invited him out west to work on music. And he just kind of like went. <laughs> and he's like, can you stay in my house for a year? And uh, my mortgage is $928. I'm like, sure, no big deal. I'll, I'll take care of it. And uh, I didn't realize how much $928 is when you don't have a job. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm starting to panic because... I got to give them $928 every month and I'm quickly running out of money because I don't have any income coming in. And so he had a lawnmower. I was broke, busted, and disgusted. Um, I, I uh, had He had a lawnmower in his garage. It, it didn't even have self-propel. I think he got it from Walmart for like 150 bucks. And uh, so anyway, I just, uh, there was a, a neighbor to the yard was all overgrown. It was a real estate agent. And I called the number. And uh, I was like, hey, I'll mow your grass for 60 bucks. And she's like, deal, you know, checks in the mail. She said, send us a picture when you're done, checks in the mail. I didn't realize that the, you know, that meant the check would come a long time from them. But I just <laughs> took his mower. I didn't ask him and I just mowed the yard. You know, uh, I was really tall. I didn't even have a weed eater or a blow or anything like that. And, uh, you know, probably took me like three or four man hours and, and, uh, I'm losing money right out of the gate. And then the neighbors saw me mowing. They're like, hey, you know, you next thing you know, I got four or five yards in this neighborhood. I was driving a 1997 Honda Accord. And uh, so my buddy let me borrow his, his little handheld steel blower. And he had a weed eater let me borrow. So I would put them, I'd put the weed eater in the back seat and I'd put it diagonal so it would fit through the window um, in the front seat. And then I'd put the lawnmower fold up and I'd put that in the trunk. And so that's how I got my start in a 1997 Honda Accord. I didn't know anything about pricing, uh, saving for quarterly taxes, how much overhead really costs. I knew nothing. And so I just went out and played a volume game and cut as much grass as I could. That's why my book's called Cut That Grass and Make That Cash. I was just out there, you know, passing out business cards, mowing grass, uh, mow edge, trim blow. That's all I knew. And then eventually they would say, well, hey, do you do fertilization and weed control? Do you do pine straw? Can you do mulch? Can you, I mean, they'd ask me to do anything. They'd ask me to come inside and hang a picture. I mean, you, can you <laughs> clean my gutters? I, and I just said, yes, 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 yes. Cause I was just trying to make the 928 bucks to pay my buddy. I'd be so embarrassed not to send him the money. And so long story short, that's how I got my start in 2011 and 12. And then uh, my long story short, my friend invited me or not invited me, but he asked me if I could help him move a couch. And I was like, sure. And uh, there's a neighborhood in Atlanta, you know, Matt Ryan lived in there. Some of these rappers, just where all the, the richest people in Atlanta lived in this fancy country club. So he's like, Hey, can you help me move a couch? And I was like, sure. Well, it was at his sister's house. And she lived in this neighborhood where the nicest houses in Atlanta are mansions, you know, and there's 27 golf holes that run through this real nice neighborhood. So I help him move the couch. And then 
uh, while we were there, I'm just hustling. I said to the, his, his sister, I was like, Hey, you know, do you have a company that mows your grass? And she's like, yeah, we do. But our contract ends next month. We're not too pleased with them. So I was like, here's my card, you know, one call. That's all. Give me a call. I'll take great care of you. And so she called me and then I got into that neighborhood. So I started doing the, eventually the head coach, Atlanta Falcons, the defense coordinator, a bunch of these coaches, um, the players, the captain of the team and, 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 and started to work on high end million dollar homes. And, and then really, calculated that the money wasn't in mowing it was in the, the in landscape installations the enhancements and so th- that was my business for uh you know seven eight nine years just rocking with that and then eventually i shared my story on a podcast and then that thing soared off and it took a, the whole ship into a whole nother direction so that's that's the last 10 years Dude, who? <laughs> that was sick, man. I love that. You know how on Facebook they have that you when somebody makes a comment, you put on there a comment just to see the rest of the comments. I just want to hang with you, bro, just to see the next ten years. Like, yeah. God damn, <laughs> you're gonna be on space and shit pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. well, the last I checked, Wayne, there's no grass on the moon, so I don't know. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> hey, but you, I'm impressed that you survive OU. Like that's the biggest, like people don't realize that OU is the party school of the United States of America. Like it's known for the number one parties, like especially Halloween. So you survived that shit. Like you graduated. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did graduate. Uh, It's basically in the middle of nowhere. Athens, Ohio is in this little town. And so all there is, is a street of bars. And then there's the campus with the school. So yeah, I think their dropout rate probably ranks probably close to number one as well as, as yeah. it's a uh, number one, number one, number two, they, they argue all about it, but mm-hmm. it's definitely a top five party school. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Paul, when you were doing like, say when you scaled up and you were doing those high end lawns and things like that, were you, did you had already move up to like a, a bigger, better lawnmower, better trucks, or were you still operating out of the car? Well, yeah, so eventually I got a Ford F one fifty, but the, the 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 Honda. I think that was what happened. That was just a few months because I was renting it from a friend. I, I mean, I was broke, busted, and disgusted. It, 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 I was I had no money. I was fresh out of college. You know what I mean? And so I was the best I could do is I was talking to some friends, and my one friend said, "I'll let you borrow our Honda Accord." for 150 bucks a month. They, they were pretty well off and it was uh, 97, it was all rusted. And so I'm borrowing that. This was June, July, I think it was July. And they messaged me and they got in a car accident with their minivan and they're like, hey, we so sorry, but we actually need the car back because they had like four or five kids. And so I had to give that back to them and they were so furious at me. I still remember the wife was livid because I spilled gas in the car. I'd put my little, I had a little one gallon for my mixed mm-hmm. gas and I have a one gallon for my mower and, uh, you know, lawn equipment smells. So I had it in the, the trunk and in the back seat and then I spilled gas and she's like, well, did you run a lawn care company out of here? And I was like, <laughs> actually I did. And she, she was so, so mad because her, now her Honda Accord smelled like gas. And so I gave that back. So I ran my company right out of the gate year one with no vehicle. And how I manage that is I just worked in my neighborhood. So I would just walk the mower and, you know, hold the stuff. And I mean, it was a raggediest setup you could imagine. <laughs> and I would just go over there and mow their grass. And then sometime I take the mower back and come back and weed eat and blow. And then eventually on Thursdays, my buddy Tyler, he was a, a Kennesaw State College student. 
on Thursdays, he would come over, pick me up. He had a nice truck. He had a trailer. He had all the fancy schmancy equipment and he'd work with me and we'd get as much done that day as possible. Um, so yeah, those first few months were wild. I, I went from a Honda Accord to no vehicle. Then eventually I, I made some money and I, I got a real old school, um, Ford F-150. So when I started in the neighborhood, um, yeah, I think I had that raggedy old truck. Wow. And eventually I got it, a paint job on it and I got it lettered and logoed and all that. And it, it, you know, looked decent, but the competition in there was all the bigger companies. And so they, you know, they have, um, companies from, was Brickman back then. Now they're Brightview and then Valley, you know, Valley Crest back then. And, you know, the biggest companies that, that's who is dominating, yeah. um, that area. And a lot of the companies down here that do like 15, 16 million a year, that's all it was. And then there was me and I was like David versus Goliath, but I had integrity. I had hard work ethic. I wore a golf shirt. I tucked it in khaki pants. I eventually, I really learned my stuff and, and I was able to eventually compete with those big boys and, really um gain a lot of traction in that neighborhood that's really cool yeah that's why i asked that because i'm like you're hitting you're hitting some big levels where you and here's what a lot of long hair guys don't understand when you hit those levels you're not charging for grass cutting anymore you're charging basically a monthly maintenance fee and you're showing up and you're maintaining the entire yard you just don't mow blow and go you're maintaining the hedges the flower beds you're pulling weeds you're you're actually selecting the right color packages and things like that when you get to that level man you jump to that level really fast dude like wow yeah right out of the gate and then what happened was my friend Kenny. There's a there's there's a few neighbor, elite neighborhoods in Atlanta. Atlanta's pretty big, so they're spaced out. So thankfully, one of my friends, Kenny, worked in the other neighborhood where Usher lives, and Whitney Houston passed away, but she lived in there at the time. And um, so he would take me in there and show me the ropes and, and teach me right out of the gate. He's like, "So this account's nine hundred dollars a month. They pay you nine hundred bucks on January first, February first, March first. It doesn't matter." every single month and they expect you to be there every single week. Now in his contract, he'll just put 48 weeks because to give himself in case there's a stormy week or you know what I mean, just give yourself a cushion, but they expect their property to be immaculate year round. And so you just include, you just add up. They want um, begonias, you know, seasonal flowers in the spring. They want pansies in the fall. Uh, they want X amount of bales. We do a lot of pine straw down here in Atlanta. I know you guys in, in Illinois and Pennsylvania, it's probably mulch is more predominant. Yep. Yep. But yep. down here, I don't know why, probably the Augusta National Golf Club, they have pine straw there for the Masters Golf Tournament. And everyone just like, oh, I want that. But anyway, <laughs> you, add, you add in your pine straw, you add in an eight application fertilization and weed control program. Um, that's par for course down here with your pre-emergence, your regular fertilizer fertilizer and you, you know, you're mowing, um, your seasonal pruning, uh, for bushes and, and plants that need pruned back and, um, lemon trees up. You just include all of that and you just give them one number, uh, for the rate. Uh, and then they'll give you that amount on the first of every month and then it's year round service. So thankfully I had a mentor, Kenny, and he showed me th that he guided me through that cause he was already working in a neighborhood like this. And so I just rolled with it. Yeah. That's awesome. So how did you start? Uh, obviously, you started out as a one-man band with some some help, thank goodness, and mentorship, which is so powerful. But how did you then scale into hiring more people and and growing your business? Like how how are you? What was the catalyst? What was your? You know, what did you learn along the way so you can help our listeners go from being a one-man band to to hiring? So what does that look like for you? 
Yeah, well, I grew too fast and kind of crashed and I scaled back and started hiring subcontractors that sucked. And so I ran through them and then eventually I landed on a really good team. So I, I eventually, it didn't happen, 2000, I'm trying to think dates, probably by 2014 or 15, I got a really good team around me where mm-hmm. I had uh, Wrigley Tree Service. So Chance Wrigley did all of our tree work. And then, because I, I, I didn't afford at the time, you know, a big uh, tree chipper truck and all of that. And and so Chance had all of that. So if I ever needed tree work done, I would just call Chance and, you know, he would come out and then I would just take a portion of it, but he would do that work. Cause I never wanted to miss out on an opportunity cause I didn't provide that service. So mm-hmm. I really said yes to everything. I eventually stopped doing the, you know, gutter cleanings and some of the stuff like that. I said no to, but anything on the in regards to lawn care, I was the one-stop shop. I never wanted to see another lawn care truck, whether it's fertilization and weed control, a tree company, uh, a flower company. I didn't want to see anybody out there other than me. Um, I never got into the pool world because these guys all have pools in their backyard. But other than that, I wanted to make sure I, I was the only one they dealt with. And so how I did it, because I, I just didn't have the capital or the the mental capacity to to build all out the employees. So I did it through subcontractors. So I had Wrigley tree service chance does the tree work. Then Scotty, um, does the stump grinding. You know, we, we, we did some big clear out jobs and, and Scotty will come in with the stump grinder. He'll take care of all of that. I have a Georgia certified landscape professional, Jamie, who will design the plans. If, if, if we're talking about a, a new construction or some folks just want to gut everything and start from scratch, if they mm-hmm. just buy a new house, not a new house, but they buy an existing house and they come in and they're like, Hey, let's, let's redo this. Um, so Jamie does all the, you know, she has the special paper and we'll do the big design. And then I got submitted to the HOA and all that red tape and nonsense. But, um, so yeah, she does that. And then just really building out a team, uh, to where I just kind of stay in my lane and take care of the maintenance, the mowing, edging, trimming, blowing, making sure everything looks good. And then, you know, we'll bang out the sod, the pine straw, the flowers, the, the simple things like that. Um, and then turn into subcontractors for all the other things, just because I don't want another company on my property. Um, I just want to do it all. Um, yeah, just so I don't yeah. miss out on, on opportunities. That's absolutely, that's, that's smart. Now you mentioned about hiring subcontractors to take up some of the pieces that you don't do, uh, which is exactly, you know, we, we pretty much subcontract everything. So, um, I, I joke that we don't even own a hammer. <laughs> so the point is, uh, how do you, um, vet these subs that you know that when they come in, that they're going to do an amazing job? Like, do you have a certain strategy used? Cause I know a lot of listeners are on that edge. We're like, I don't know if I can trust somebody else to be with my clients. Like, how does that work with you? How did you find yeah, that? So this is so important because I, I got the wounds and the scars of, of more so out of desperation in those early years of, of I have to hire an irrigation guy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I got this sod job, the irrigation system's not working. I, I mean, I can change out a sprinkler head, but when it comes to locating, you know, the, the PVC pipe that's busted and I, all that was over my head. So I would just, uh, I called originally, I called the, um, forget which irrigation company that sells all the parts, but I was like, Hey, can you guys tell me about a, I need an irrigation guy. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. We got a list of guys. Call this guy, you know, and I call him and the guy comes out and he overcharged me. He was rude. You just bad experiences after bad experiences. So what I would tell somebody is do the research on their social proof, get on Google, get on their Google reviews, see what other people are saying about this company. Because, um, I went through, I could, I could tell you story after story after story of, of how I eventually 
landed uh, River of Life Irrigation, uh, Rich and his team, they do a phenomenal job. They do all the lighting and the irrigation, but I didn't just get to him on my first try. I went through maybe three or four companies that really aren't integral, honest, they're slow. Mm -hmm. So eventually I found Rich. And so it might not be your first try. You might, you might have to, if in someone you don't feel comfortable representing your company, you know, you, you got to let them go and you got to find that right one. But I think the, tr the Google is our friend because you can get on there and if they have no reviews, forget about it. If they have a little bit of reviews, you know, they better all be good. And then hopefully they have a lot of reviews and, and those reviews are solid. So if they don't have that social proof, I don't care if cousin Pookie said they're great or whoever said, you know, mm -hmm. try, give them a shot. You really need to see that social proof. Um, and so I found, and I, I got an immaculate team and they're faithful to me because they're making a bunch of money. You know, I, I'll uh, send Scotty out to the lake and he'll come back. And I'll, he'll, how many, you know, how many stumps? Probably a lot, Scotty, you know, come back. It's 115 stumps. We cleared out a whole, someone bought a lake property and, uh, you know, we cleared, we took out all the trees. They just wanted to see the lake. And so anyway, you have to treat them good for them to want to work with you. And so mm -hmm. I'm always giving them tips. I'm always, always, you know, they they like working at immaculate properties and things of that nature. So it's got to be a win-win. So look at their social proof, I'd say number one, and then make sure you're a blessing and a benefit to them. Yep. And then once you get that relationship locked in, I mean, this has been six, seven, eight years and everything's on autopilot. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm surrounded with good people that do quality work and they're reliable. They're, you know, they got great social skills and they're, they're very dependable and fair. So. Yeah. Paul, that, that's a, uh, that's dope the way you said you look at their social side, but here's one thing that mind boggles. Does it ever mind boggle you when you do bring in a sub and they just don't have their shitty, rude and mean, it's like, you ever wonder like how the hell they got to where they are? Yeah. I, I think I remember that irrigation one. I actually wrote about that in the book because that made me so mad. These people were, were so rude. And I, I think it was just, um, supply and demand it's just there's so much demand and they just kind of weasel their way in but I, you know I, i'd imagine that guy's probably out of business by now yeah yeah it's crazy for sure and i know that we you know in the beginning when you're starting to try to find subcontractors that went from a design build model to a design manage model right 10 years ago and it's a little bumpy in the beginning because you find people that are kind of like you growing and things are happening pretty soon things happen on a job site things are overlooked things you know things start costing you money uh, and you learn along the way but what i found and i wanted to see if this is what you found as well is once you find some really good people and you got to go through that drawer to find the right lid for the right pot that's just what it is right there's no going around that some people get lucky right out of the gate most have to go around and figure out the right people and say you know what i really don't like the way they talk to my customers or they show up later they leave a messy job site or something that doesn't mesh well with what you consider a good standard right your standard um but once you find a good group do you find that asking them hey you know you're you're an irrigation guy you're a landscaper you're a mason whatever do you know any good sod guys or i mean because birds yeah. are a feather right and you once you that? get in with good people they're all networked and they all know each other yeah. so yeah. uh for example down here in georgia we have uh there's these extension classes where you can go and you can learn uh, whether you want to learn about fertilization and weed control or or whatever and you go to these you go to for eight hours a day and you just sit in a classroom, but you get to meet other people that are trying to better their business. Mm -hmm. And then what you find out is everyone kind of knows everyone, the, the good ones, mm -hmm. the folks that uh, are really well. And so um, my tree guy chance, 
this guy's phenomenal. He's been doing this for like 30 years. He's fixing to retire soon, actually. But I was able to ask him, hey, who who can grind this stump? You know what I mean? I'm sitting there going to Home Depot, renting this stump grinder and just like, it ain't profitable and it ain't, it's whatever. He's like, call Scotty, you know? And they've worked together for years. And so good people know each other. And now they actually work with um, Jamie, who does all the design work. And they're all interconnected. And then Rich works with, they all, all the mic subcontractors all share jobs mm-hmm. with each other, not mm-hmm. just for me. And so there, there's this whole network. And not only that, we're able to safeguard because in this neighborhood, for example, there's about 930 homes. And so if I get a quote or someone asks me to give a quote, I'll run it by one of them or two of them and say, hey, do you know this person? And the, oh man, run to the hills, you know, stay away from that. Because yep. yep. we know when you work in a neighborhood, I mean, even the women, they'll be walking there. They're, when you're rich, you walk your dog, um, like in a stroller, like a baby, they'll, they'll be sitting there walking, but instead of a baby being in the stroller, their little poodle dog or whatever, but you know, they'll be walking by, Hey Paul. And, um, they just, you, when you work in one neighborhood for 10 years, everyone just starts to know you. And so that can be a benefit because you can start to know them too. And you'll know the good customers from the bad mm-hmm. and you'll know the, the good contractors from the bad. So once you find good people, I'm telling you, they know other good people and they'll, they can help uh, complete the team for sure. And I'm pretty sure every one of my subcontractors, um, yeah, they all know each other. And yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. it's really cool once you, once you do find that. Yeah, dude, I, I noticed that, uh, same thing that, uh, our crews right now, we have several different teams and because they're all working on a job we're coordinate, they're now starting to work together and feed jobs to each other, even outside of our jobs. But we feed them so much work. They really like, I got one coming. He doesn't even really need to market. You know what I mean? Like we feed so much work. He, he He's barely trying to keep up on worth the work we're sending him. So, um, on that, but I do have a question for you and it's sort of the transition into the podcast and media world. What was that catalyst that got you bumped over from, you mean this lawn care, physical work, and now switching into the podcast and the podcast becoming sort of a business and a a lifestyle. What was that? Yeah. So the podcast started in the fall of 2018 and I started it. I just entered, I had, what I, what I had when I started is I, as I said, I'm going to make a commitment that I'm going to make 100 podcast episodes to the best that I can. And once I hit that threshold of 100 podcast episodes, then I will evaluate, is this profitable? Is this worth my time? I was like at a hundred episodes, I maybe consider sponsors or whatever, but I was like, I'm just going to put out the, to the best I can, 100 episodes, and then we'll go from there. And I didn't have much of a social media following at that time. I just, I had an Instagram account for my business that I put some before and after pictures and things like that. But you mentioned marketing earlier. I didn't have to really market because once I worked in this neighborhood, they had this women's club where they would just talk like, Hey, here's the babysitter we use, or here's our personal chef, or here's the guy who cleans our grill. I mean, these people are really rich. Okay. And then this, but they would talk, Hey, here's our lawn care guys. And I got in their favor. And so once they, these women started just saying, Oh, call Paul. You know I mean? I, I, I didn't have to market. I just, it was more of how do I, how much can I take on? Um, so anyway, I wasn't too aggressive with social media because I didn't have to be, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I started a podcast with nobody really knowing who I am. And I started cranking out some episodes and the show started to to slowly grow, slowly grow. And then probably about 60 or 70 in, 
the thing just started taking off and we eventually got into the top 100 of the the business entrepreneurship category and the biggest brands in the industry i, I just got to spend some time up at, at toro uh last week and and echo uh kohler engines i mean the Billion dollar big old companies or hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue, depending on the brand. They're calling me and they're, you know, they're inviting me to the to check out their new products or, you know, come hang out with them or whatever. And it the thing just started taking off and, and you know, getting thousands and thousands of downloads every single day. It's just, it was absolutely crazy. And so I went from, you know, having 50 customers a year, uh, which I was used to, to now we have 50,000 people tuning into us. And I'm like, uh, 50, you know, serving 50 people is a challenge, you know what I mean? But the weight of serving the 50,000 really, um, made me shift my schedule, my time and, and give my best to, to really put out content to serve these people. So it, I guess I thought, well, maybe it'll be successful or whatever, but I never thought that it would take off to where it's taken off to now. So, um, it, it's changed my world for sure. Hmm. Dude, I love that, dude. It just it's because you're giving from your heart, man. You're just you're you're connecting people with information and you're delivering it, and it's so so powerful. Yeah, because I think in in the local market here, a lot of guys like if you're at the Quick Trip, that's our gas station down here, or even if you're driving in the neighborhood, people will mean mug you and they'll like they'll like size you up like you're competition, and yeah. and uh, you know they're not going to tell you how much they're charging or what what you know all the numbers and all the profit and loss they don't talk about that stuff they just look at you like you know it's a rivalry or whatever and so when i started doing the podcast i found this community they're they're in different markets they don't care what's going on in pennsylvania or illinois cuz they're 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 in north carolina you know mm. there's hey tell me how much do i charge what do you charge per man what, what's your overhead cost recovery they're just and i realized people were so hungry and starving for Every little, what I think is common sense, you know, cause I've had mentors show me the ropes, but for a guy that's just getting started out that chuck in the truck, he wants to absorb everything he can. So I just put out a free podcast Monday through Friday. I try to bring on the best guests I can to, to share. And people are just devouring it because I would have devoured it too in 2011 if I would have had a, a, yeah, a yeah. information like this. And I know YouTube, um, you know, started taking off with a lot of folks putting out quality content throughout the last several years. And you can really get an education for free just by watching YouTube, um, listening to podcasts. Uh, you can really learn everything you need to learn and mm-hmm. just go out and mm-hmm. execute and build a really successful life and business. Yeah, thanks. Uh, the playing field has changed now with uh, even Joshua. We had a podcast about that. We're talking about sort of education, how now you can learn a lot from listening to podcasts, YouTube and, and things like that. And it's it's very powerful where you mean where the direction you can go with this. Um, I love what you're saying, because like that's like the mission that jo- Josh says one million. I say two million and we're out to touch two million contractors in the next five years. So that means, can you guys listen and learn? Because just like you, Paul, when I first started, I actually, it's funny you started your way. I was sort of the same way. I mean, lawnmowers, cutting grass in the neighborhood, taking out people's trash, and it sort of built and evolved to something else. But uh, something else about that, we didn't have this when we were coming in the game. Right. We were, man, I didn't even have a mentor like you did. Yep. Yeah. So like we were beating our heads up against the wall, losing money like crazy, didn't even know we were losing money. You mean it was just crazy the the losses that we were taking. You mean trying to get going, and now you have podcasts. And something else I noticed is, I was gonna say that, and you said it for me, but I want you to dive in deeper. But 
explain the camaraderie now that you're seeing on the social spectrum from what you see used to see on the block. You mean explain that in more detail? Yeah, I, I just hung out with about twelve or thirteen other uh, guys in this industry uh, th this past few days, and we're all like best friends, and it's like. Uh, you know, kept saying uh, community over collaboration. I mean, these guys are huge influence. One guy had five, a couple of these guys have 500,000 uh, YouTube subscribers and I'm just sitting there meeting them. And, and uh, it's just the one guy kept saying community over or uh, community over competition, community over competition. And, and just when you, um, I think it was Rabbi Daniel Lappin wrote a book, Thou Shall Prosper. And he talked about if, if you have a candle and it's lit and someone else has a candle and you take your candle and let, let, light their candle, now both candles are lit. It's a win-win. And uh, that's what happens when we share our information with each other. Um, we're, we're winning. The, the person that's giving the information is winning because it's satisfying when you help someone and they're like, man, I was losing so much money and now I'm actually profitable. Thank you. That's satisfying to help somebody. And then the person receiving the information, they're winning because they don't have to go through the school of experience and, and get the scars and the wounds that sounds like all of us have where you do work your butt off and you lose money. And uh, we, we try to out earn our stupidity. And eventually you have to learn how to charge right and get the right people on the bus and and all of that. And so one of the sayings we have around here is that we want our ceiling to be other guys' floors. So guys that are just starting off, you don't have to make the same mistakes that I made, but you can actually start off and charge a profitable price and actually build your business wisely. And that's why I try to bring on the best guests that I can that can share um, who are even further along in business than me so that their ceiling can be our floor. And so uh, it's really, really, really cool to see this online community. I know um, I'll be going to the GIE Plus Expo here uh, October 20th through 22nd in Louisville, Kentucky. There'll be tens of thousands of people. That I think usually I got like 15, 20,000 uh, lawn care, landscape, hardscape professionals that will be there. And it's it's really like a family reunion. It's really like a, a community um, that's so much different than the guys looking at each other at, at Quick Trip, you know, mean mugging each other that really have a poverty mentality because there's way more work for all of us to be profitable doing this. And um, if we would do that and, and work together, then it wouldn't be a race to the bottom. We could actually charge more because yep. uh, a lot of other industries, I got some friends in HVAC, roofing, all kind of construction jobs, and they're crushing it. And I, I feel like um, they're, they're just a little bit higher morale or standard in some of those other industries. And we're working just as hard. We, we should be making that kind of money as well. So coming together and talking like this is going to elevate the, the industry. Yeah, this is more just a statement. And, and Joshua, you can jump in when I'm done. But Paul, you're correct. Like there was a time when I actually didn't like the industry. I love what I did, but I hated. I used to even tell clients, so like, I love what I do, but I hate my industry and I hated it. And it was before that reason, it was like everybody was snubbing each other and snubbing each other. And then don't be a brother in this shit. I mean, that was even worse. I mean, you had that double hammer on that. So I hated the industry for a long time. And now what I'm noticing is with this social spectrum and this platform, I mean, we're, we're, we're up in this game so powerful that we got, we got, I mean, we got guys in our class. So just like yesterday, we have a class that we put on. Um, it's uh, it's an online class, but they have to do one one day a week. They do um, a Zoom meeting, 
that we only go for one hour. That class went on for an hour and 45 hour and 50 minutes yesterday because the, the other 50 minutes we were talking about the person you have to be to become that. And that that would never been been talked about or asked back in the day. It was sort of the Bubba business, what I used to call it. Joshua and I were in Fort Lauderdale this year and it was a builder expo and it was like um, roofer siding. Man, they are booming out of control because they're sharing information with each other to grow. And he's always say the day we start doing that in this industry, we're going to level this game and really take off. Yeah, I was interviewing Troy Clog. He's up in Michigan. He does um, Troy Clog and Associates. They do snow removal and um, lawn care. But the snow removal in Michigan, that's that's the most of his uh, revenue. Gigantic company. You know, one of the top companies. I, I was out on his lot. It looks like a parking lot. And I was like, there's numbers on all the trucks. I was like, why does it say 367? He's like, well, that's the 367th vehicle that we purchased in our fleet. And they've, they're they're over 400. Now, not all 400 are operating because some of them they'll retire and part out or whatever, but they bought 400 vehicles over the years. And um, he has one of the top snowplow companies in all of the United States of America. And he was sharing with me that he started in the 1980s. And he's like, you know, I started and this, this yard was a $30 cut in the 1980s when he started. And he's like, here's a problem. This is why it's so difficult to win in this industry. He said, since then, uh, everything has gone up quadruple. And so he said, the, if you were to go out and buy the top of the line pickup truck back then to run your business, it would have been $17,000. Hmm. He's like, now... If you want to go out and buy a similar truck, you're looking at $51,000, $55,000. And then he went through just because he's been at this for 40 years. And he went through every single situation and he, he showed me how it's all quadrupled, the, the expenses of the business. Mm -hmm. But he's like, Paul, how much do you think uh, we're charging for that yard? And it's like 34 bucks. And he's like, all the expenses have gone up times four. But the prices have barely even moved the needle. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's not, not next to impossible. He's like, it's very difficult. Because I'm asking, I'm like, how'd you pull this off? And he's like, it's, it's, it's way more difficult than people realize because the pricing is so undercharged because people don't understand their overhead. They don't understand what it really takes to, to, to pay all your overhead, to pay yourself a, a fat salary that you want to make. And then have profit left over and to do everything above board, it's very challenging. And so, yeah, he shared that same kind of thing, how our industry is just so far behind the times because it's just no one's talking and everyone else is going out and, and screwing it up. Yeah, totally. And you know, it's it's Dwayne and it's deep in Dwayne and I, our heart to help our industry as well, you know, all part of the same industry really, but to level everyone up to set the standard so much higher so everyone can get paid with their worth and be valued and get charged, be able to charge for design and not have clients push back. They just expect it. Just like if you're going to your doctor, your lawyer, you expect to pay the hourly rate, right? $300 an hour for somebody to read a document. You know, you're paying for all the experience they had for school and all that kind of stuff, right? So to, to level the entire industry up to a point where when anybody goes out, whether you're just starting out or you're a veteran in this, this world, you go out there and people expect to pay you a fair wage for everything you're doing and expect to pay for things that they add to their project, not just expect you to throw it in. Like all this bullshit's been going on. It's been like the Wild West. We need to change that. We need to get it to a position where 
everyone can benefit and win, but that only happens through collaboration and sharing. You know, what I love about you is you're, you're sharing your experiences. You're sharing other things with clients, with your, your listeners. You're sharing your success stories, your horror stories, because you want to help them. I love that floor to ceiling, uh, you know, metaphor is beautiful and others can just grab and go. They don't have to go through all the shit you went through, right. In order to keep moving forward. But if we all did that, if every business shared all their secret sauce to everybody else, this entire world would just, this entire industry, I should say, would just explode and the standards would go higher. And, you know, we share most of our secrets within my business, my design managed business out and as Dwayne does as well, so that we can get you there faster, right? Even if it's just listening to the podcast, but that's our big give back is to be like, dude, just listen to us. Don't make these mistakes and keep moving forward with it. And let's just do it for free. Beautiful. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a ton of fun. So, so, um, Paul, you know, Obviously, you've switched from being out in the field to now more teaching, and you have an entire curriculum, I believe, as well, right? You have some things that you teach and things like that from the uh, from the Green Industry Podcast page. When I look, took a look, what what do you get from teaching? Let's be honest. You spend all this time with podcasts. You could be out making money, and I know you mentioned earlier. Obviously, it's influence, but what do you get for teaching? Like, what what did you? How have you grown doing that? Yeah, it's definitely satisfying uh, to help someone. A couple of years ago, in the spring, I was uh, grabbing coffee with my friend David. I hadn't uh, talked to him in a while, and this guy's real uh, in the broadcasting world. He's been uh, he used to have a, a national syndicated radio show, and uh, just. Uh, somebody I look up to as a broadcaster. So as my podcast was kind of in its infancy, I asked him if we could grab a cup of coffee and, and he could share with me what he's learned. I mean, he could, you couldn't have any more success in, in the radio world than him. He was um, in sports radio out in LA getting paid hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars to sit there and talk about, you know, Brett Favre back in the day. And uh, I guess Tom Brady's always been around, but you know, he sit there and, it, and he just got, had a great, great, broadcasting career. So I was like, Hey, can you teach me how you did this? And I uh, said, like, yeah, let's grab coffee. So we roll up to Dunkin' Donuts and, um, this guy's always smiling. He's always happy. He's always joking around and he's, he's very, very sad. And, uh, I was like, man, what's, what's wrong? And he's like, well, I, we just had a funeral yesterday, uh, for a mutual friend and he committed suicide and he left behind his wife and his two children. And it just, it really was messing with my friend because it was his friend, you know what I mean? And I was like, mm -hmm. man, and, and then I was like, what do you, you know, what do you do for a living? And he's like, well, he, he owned a landscaping company hmm. and uh, the company was, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, rat in a wheel and a guy just killed himself. And, and, and now my friend's sitting there like, man, how, I don't even know what to say, but his wife that he left behind and his kids, they're forever, the consequence of that's forever going to you know, it's going to be hard for them for the rest of their life. And, uh, that kind of stuck with me. Cause I was like, man, that, that doesn't have to be the, and that doesn't have to be the story. Like there's, there's actually a, a pathway to profitability and to a business being a blessing and to actually have some wealth and to have healthy relationships. And so I guess I'm fueled to help guys so that they can win, not just in business and, and the scorecard in business, you know, for, for me, a lot of it is the profit and, and that the business is um, in the black and, and doing well. But beyond that, that there's good relationships in our life. And, and, and so it just it just drives me to help folks um, so we don't have to be that guy or, you know, influence people the way that wife and two kids have been influenced. But we can actually have vibrant relationships. And uh, I love this guy. I don't know if you guys know Andy Mulder in Indiana, Mulder Outdoor Services. I don't know. Yeah. 
He's yeah. crushing it. He he does um, stone patio paver installations, backyards, and um, very, very successful. Every single piece of equipment Andy has is paid for now. Uh, he paid off his house in nine years. Um, so he's got house paid for, boat paid for, every hammer to skid steer in his business. Everything's paid for. The guy's completely debt-free and just accumulating wealth. But every single Saturday, he takes the day off and he calls it Dadder Day. And no matter what, you'll never work on a Saturday. That day is to spend with his two kids. So every single yeah. Saturday, everything shuts down and he's shooting hoops or going to gymnastic practice or going out to breakfast every single Saturday. And he has healthy relationships with his kids. And it took a lot of hard work to build a business. It's actually, he does fantastic work. It's, he's on Instagram, uh, Molder Outdoor Services. You can see his portfolio, but he's crushing it in business, but he's also crushing it in life. And so um, a lot of my analytics, I was just looking this morning, most guys are 24 to age 35 who who listen to our show, but we have like 19% that listen that are younger than that. And so I'm even challenged to, to interview them while they're young, get them building a successful business and investing their money, um, getting compound interest. And so I, I'm just passionate. I guess I really screwed things up, you know, when yeah. I was in my 20s yeah. and young. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I can help people get on a better fast track to success. It's, it's satisfying uh, to get DMS, emails, you know, being at these trade shows and people coming up to me and saying, thank you. It, it definitely is satisfying. And then gives me the motivation to, to keep pouring out. I yeah. love that. Paul, that, that's actually starting to happen to us now. And it's, it is very satisfying. Like every time I get one now, I'll screenshot and send it over to Josh and vice versa. Yeah. But we're starting to get DMS now. We're starting to get people like, man, you, what you said is just so powerful. I got one last night, a guy just broke down and just was explaining to me. Um, but you know, I felt what you're saying about the friend who, you I mean, nobody really wants to talk about those issues, but the friend who had the friend who give me off themselves. I think I was close to those feelings several times. I mean, when I had the construction business, I remember being like 170 grand in a hole and did not know where to turn. You know what I mean? And I remember just staring, looking out the window, like, this is like, how am I going to do this? I got to face this. I faced it, fixed it. And then, you mean, this new operation, there was just a time when everything just would not work. And I remember just doing it again, just sitting at the bed and contemplating that same thought. And I can only imagine how many other guys are at the edge thinking about, you mean this? And if you guys don't say it, what I would tell these guys that they're listening now is um, nobody dies on a deadline. And so if, if that comment saves anybody's life right now, I'm just going to say that because I was there. Nobody dies on a deadline, meaning no matter what you're up against or what you're facing and who you think is coming after you, I mean, whatever happened, nobody dies on a deadline. Nobody hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened in negotiations. The FBI agents have gone through. It hasn't happened to them. Nobody dies on a deadline. Even when the bank gives you a deadline, they always give you a couple more days. Even if the eviction court gives you a deadline, there's always a couple more days. Nobody dies on a deadline. So don't ever ever, ever, ever take it to that edge where you think you just can't pull it off anymore because you're at the deadline. Nobody dies at the deadline, you know? And then if you die at the deadline, if you finish yourself, now your family has has to face that situation and that lineage from there. Because I was close, man. it, It was crossing my mind. Like that still gives me some trauma, from time to time, um, no matter how great it is, I was coming home from a um, client not too long ago and I had to call Josh. I mean, the, the client gave me 50 grand in cash. OK, so I got cash in my hand. So I'm not having a bad day at all. 
And then what happened was the stress of the past and all the negativity and all the shit that I went through just started flushing through my brain. And I'm like tripping. I called Josh like, dude, I'm fucking tripping. Like, bro, we got to talk. Like, he's like, okay, calm down. What's going on? And I'm not even used to these feelings because I think I'm perfect. You know what I mean? I think I'm the shit. I'm a perfect, perfect dude. But just to go through that trauma and that fear, that's big, man. And a lot of people are dealing with that now. I see him on Facebook and I try to say something to him. And some of them will almost basically say, fuck you. I want to keep digging this, dealing with this life. What do you say to them? Yeah, well, there there is light at the end of the tunnel. I had a similar experience. I lost my biggest client at the time that this person had a tennis court in their backyard and a swimming pool, uh, the infinity pool over the lake. And just this property was so awesome. Every time I get to go and maintenance it, it was like, you're at this like five-star resort. It's so awesome. But they wanted me to come every single Thursday morning between 10 and noon. Cause they had tennis in the afternoon and you know, they just, everything had to be perfect. And so I remember one day I had a Chevy at the time and I'm driving there and I, you know, I'm on my way and I'm at the stoplight and then the truck just doesn't, it just stops. I'm like, what's going on? And I don't know that much about uh, I mean, I know how to change my oil and things like that, but I'm not a um, certified mechanic. You know what I mean? So I kind of neutral it into the Walgreens there and, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I can't, I can't fix it. So I got to get it towed. And the deadline, like you said, in my case was he expects us to come between 10 and 12 because they have tennis lessons and, you know, then his wife and all her friends are in their bikinis and he doesn't want us flirting with them or whatever. I don't know why he doesn't want me to come other than you know, Thursday, 10 to 12, but lo and behold, I wasn't able to make it between 10 and 12. And I even proactively shot a text and said, Hey, I'm having some issue with the vehicle. Uh, we'll be there tomorrow, 10 AM, you know, deeply apologize. And then he fires me back and fires me. He's like, Hey, we're going to go into another direction. And I remember sitting there and it just, it crushed me. Cause this was my favorite property I did a per, I mean, I, I thought I did perfect work. You know, I, 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 the place looked immaculate. And, uh, I just remember sitting there thinking, man, I, I'm, my trucks broke down. I just got fired and, and it, it was like hopelessness. You know what I mean? And I don't know if I necessarily thought about killing myself, but I just felt like unmotivated and, and just lousy. And, uh, I think so many guys have those just, you, you kind of hit rock bottom moments. And so, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't have the, the, uh, some huge speech to, to say it was just, you know, I ended up getting new customers and, and got the truck fixed and here I am. It's a sunny day and, and I'm alive and business is so much better now, um, than it was then. And so things can definitely get better. And, you know, I've made, uh, a lot of stupid decisions, um, I remember my, when I was just starting off, I didn't know to warranty, pardon me, to not warranty sod. I put sod in for this guy's a $14,000 job, which if you're talking a $50,000 job deposit, you know, maybe 14,000 is nothing. <laughs> but when you're just starting out and you're used to making $12 an hour at the dining hall, $14,000 is like, yeah. that's so much money. I was like $14,000. I was adding up the, the square footage on the quote and you know, the sod, the guy needed 10 pallets of sod, some new trees, new mulch. And I'm just, I knew how to do all this stuff, but it was a big job for me at the time. It was my biggest job. Uh, and so I'm adding it all up. I'm like $14,000. And I give him the quote. And I was like, there's no way someone would pay $14,000. Cause again, I'm, I'm a rookie and I'm used to a $12 an hour mentality at the dining hall. The guy writes back. He's like, yeah, you know, let's do it. 
And I'm like, oh, you know, I get the whatever the deposit was, seven or eight. Because at the time, I, I do a different payment structure now, but I just got 50% down because I didn't know. And uh, I do the job. I put the sod in, and uh, the guy doesn't water it. And so it dies. Next spring, he calls me back. He's like, hey, my grass is all dead. And because uh, it was dormant all winter, so I was like, it looks dead, but maybe it's just dormant. And then in the spring, it never grew back. So mm. I had to take out all of the dead grass. Mm. come back in and put in 10 pallets of sod. And I said, I was like, Hey, I don't think you watered it enough. He's oh, we watered all blah, blah, blah. Well, we had a historic drought then right after that. And so it dies again. And then I had to come back a third time and do 10 pallets of sod. And I lost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, um, you know, spent more than 14,000 to get the job done. And this guy was a, just jerking me around. He was so rude. And, um, you know, I had other people rip me off with other type things with, you know, you, you go through these experiences where people take advantage of you and, and rip you off and you're in these low points. And then you just have to know it can get better. And, and I remember being in that backyard, putting in those last few pieces of sod. I was actually physically sick. Uh, I was just tired. I was, I had bags under my eyes. I was weak. I was stressed. And I just remember thinking this is never going to happen again. And so it never did happen again. Every time I did sod, I was like, there's no warranty. I'll give you watering instructions. We'll take pictures that it's all green when we put it in, but you will be responsible to water because if you don't water, it's a living organism. If it's not going to take root in the soil, if it doesn't water, it's not going to work. And so yep. even in those $170,000 debts and, and losing money on jobs, there's, there's even principles that we can learn in those low moments that when we're in those high moments, it will kind of protect us in the future because you, you do learn valuable lessons um, I, I could tell you story after story after story of how I learned through the school of experience. But if there is a guy that's actually thinking about, you know, um, taking their life or, or whatever, just know that there's definitely hope for the future. Just hang in there and, and it will definitely get better. Yeah. Life is happening for you, not to you. And when you yeah. understand that, it really changes your life. You can go, Josh. Yeah. So, you know, to, to, to play off that, absolutely, man. I mean, hats off. That's, that's quite an experience, but so often as business owners and as humans, it's when something happens to us, that's how it's perceived. It happens to us, the sod three times over and over. I can't believe I did this. If we blame ourselves for the problem, it's our fault, our fault. It's me. I fucked up again. I screwed up again. It's my fault. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. You keep playing that game in your head and not realize that that client isn't pissed off at you personally, but pissed off at the situation. So often we take it personally, and then it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And pretty soon five or 10 people are beating you up and you're just taking it. I'm an idiot. I, I keep screwing up. Look, as opposed to thinking, no, wait a minute here. This client is just pissed off at the situation. This client's pissed off that the grass is dead. I happen to be the mediator between the grass and, you know, green versus brown. I'm the guy in between, but it's not me personally. It's when people take it personally and can't separate them or witness their minds doing that, where they start to take it always personally every time, but separate it. Say, look, I get it. Client's pissed at a project's not on time. They're not mad at me. They're mad at the situation. If that's one piece of, of anything you can take out of this podcast, you know, there's been tons of nuggets today. You guys have crushed it, but that's a huge piece to realize that it's not about you. They're not mad at you. They're mad at the situation. You have to represent the situation. It's that simple. If you can separate that, the next thing you know, your, your mind kicks in and you're like, you know what? Maybe it's not so bad. 
Yeah, so what? So a couple of people are pissed off at situations I'm part of. Not at me. I can sleep good at night because I know I'm doing the best I can. I'm bringing the most value to the table I possibly can. I'm helping them through because truly the, your your true colors are shown in when things get shitty, when, when shit hits the fan. Either you're going to run to the hills and act like, you know, like you didn't, right? You could just say, that sucks to be you, dude. You're not getting your sod. Screw you. Or you stand up and you face it. And, and what you do in those times are really what is, is truly your character deep down, not what you tell everybody, but what actually is. You show up, you get it done, you own what you said you're going to do. But realize when they're mad at the situation, it's the situation, not you. You separate that, dude, your life is going to be much easier. It's been huge. So, uh, well, Paul, it's been a, quite a great uh, conversation. I've enjoyed all of it here. You've, I've learned some stuff as always. That's what I love podcasts about because we get to learn and and uh, to talk to awesome people like yourself and you're crushing it out there helping so many people. So how do our listeners find you? I mean, you've got all kinds of stuff going on. So how do they find you? Yeah, Green Industry Podcast. We're on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts and the episodes come out every single day before the sun comes up. We'll have a fresh new episode uh, Monday through Friday. So you can uh, find us there at the Green Industry Podcast. And then uh, I got my story. I wrote the whole story in the book. It's called Cut That Grass and make that cash. And so it's the whole storyline from going from that raggedy 1997 Honda Accord being broke, busted and disgusted, making all these mistakes. I got ripped off. I, I mean, I would like to think that $14,000 job was the worst of them, but I, you know, there's worse <laughs> mistakes I made than that. But I learned from those exactly. mistakes. So hopefully exactly. you can listen to podcasts like this, read books like this and, and be like, okay, you know, never warranty sod. If you live in Atlanta, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's, it's really hard to water it enough to keep it, to keep it going. And um, then I, I just actually, our brand new book's called Best Business Practices for Landscapers. And this book, I have over 500, we're coming up on 540 podcast episodes. I've interviewed a lot of folks that are way further along in business and life than me. And I just, you know, I have my headphones on. I'm just listening, listening, taking notes, listening. And this book is about what I've actually learned from them. The, those a best practices, like a, what's the best way to do billing? What's the best way to do pricing? What's the best way to do work-life balance? And all these other questions we have as contractors. And I just kind of summarize the trends, the consistencies that I've noticed as I've talked to folks um, from different industries, different businesses, different geographical areas. But there's these same trends with the ones that are successful that I noticed. So those are on Amazon. Uh, you can just type in Paul Jameson on Amazon and find those books. And of course, we have everything available at greenindustrypodcast.com. I love that. Any so, last words, Dwayne? Or are we good to go? You know, today was really a powerful episode. I'm just going to leave it the way it is, you know? Nice. And just just yeah. let the music play out. <laughs> no, it sounds perfect. <laughs> so guys, you know, you know, it's our, uh, it's our goal to, uh, to impact and empower a million, or if you're Dwayne, 2 million, uh, contractors <laughs> the next five years, the goal is to give and just give as much value as possible. So if you find value in what we're talking about here and enjoyed our conversation with Paul today, obviously check out his podcast, check out his website. He's doing amazing stuff out there. Uh, but keep spreading the word, tell your friends about the podcast, you know, the, even if just one or two friends, cause we're going to get there by everyone helping each other out. Like we talked about community today if we all pull together and we all just get get rid of our egos and realize that we're all in this battle together and if we can level up the entire industry we're all gonna win <laughs>